0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in, Purple Daily. It's Mackie, it's Judd, it's producer Declan. And we're trying to stick to uh, the, the theme and the schedule for Thursdays. We're trying to do pecking orders every week. I can't remember if we've been super consistent with this, but we definitely have a backlog of Vikings pecking orders to get to, including this one. You guys ready for my most underrated Vikings players of all time? Oh, yes.
1: so you're starting in
0: 1961. I'm going <laughs> back. I'm not going all the way back to 1961, but I am but it's going all time. back yeah. pretty far. Okay. Pretty far. So uh I have seven of them, and I'll admit. So I don't have any defensive backs, and I don't have any offensive linemen on this list. And there's probably some, wow. but I just like as I'm going through defensive backs like Joey Browner and Harrison Smith, I feel like. Most of the Vikings decent offensive linemen and uh, and defensive backs have been given proper credit. Like Matt Burke has been given proper credit and Zimmerman has been given proper credit from the eighties, right? Mm-hmm. So think on that, Judd Zilgad, for offensive linemen and secondary guys, if I'm if I'm missing some. Okay. But let's but let's fire it up here. Let's start with number seven on the list. Theodore Bridgewater. That's right. I think Teddy Bridgewater is one of the most okay, underrated skip BLS. Vikings. Of all time. He doesn't (laughs) throw touchdown passes. He only had 14 touchdown passes. Uh, Yeah, but he also has an amazing win loss record. He led the Vikings to what should have been a great playoff win over the Seahawks in just his second year. Mm -hmm. He's one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, he's a great leader. And uh, and I think I'm putting him on this list because so many people underappreciate how good he was and could have been if not for the injury with the Vikings.
1: He so. was de- he was definitely a polarizing player, right? Because it seemed like there was like there were there are people to to this day, Declan Goff, who produces this very podcast, who absolutely love Teddy and will always mm. lo- love him, and actually is torn whether he would prefer to see the Carolina Panthers beat the Vikings in 2020 because Teddy is the quarterback. Um, but then there's the the fantasy football faction i guess he didn't throw touchdowns yeah. he didn't do this or that underrated's an interesting he wins football games underrated's an interesting way to frame it i definitely could see where there was arguments on both sides that became pretty passionate and I think they became even more passionate when it was uh, clear that his Vikings career was going to be cut short because we never did get the definitive answer, which was, OK, after 2015, do you come back in 2016 and take off and earn that second contract? And now, oh, my God, the draft pick was a great one.
0: I just think, listen, I'm not a huge you know QB wins guy because I think there's so many things that go into it. But when you have a guy that's accurate, that's a leader, and is 22-12 and in 34 NFL starts. I think there's a there there. And I think Teddy Bridgewater, uh, even though he's beloved by some, he's underappreciated by many.
1: He definitely had the personality it factor that we talked about um, earlier today on another Purple Daily. He definitely had that it factor that I think we can all agree, no matter how much you might like Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins doesn't have that it factor, and it's an intangible And it's something that is easy to see, but you just can't mandate that you're going to be that guy. Teddy had that.
0: Yep. All right. Number six, most underrated Vikings players of all time. Mm -hmm. Chester Taylor.
1: Oh, I like it. So Chester
0: Taylor had a 1,000-yard season as a starter he was one of the better starting running backs in the NFL in 2006 in terms of three down backs. He had the 95-yard touchdown run against Seattle, which is like the last time anything good happened for the Vikings against Seattle. <laughs> I was there, yeah. Um, and that was a long time ago now. But uh, but I, I, he, he became the best backup running back in the NFL for three years, including 800 yards as a backup in Adrian Peterson's rookie season. Chester also had three seasons out of four where he caught at least 40 passes, two of those as a backup. He was great on third down. He could pass protect. And I think him as kind of a guide to Adrian Peterson, and also coming in on third down and and allowing Adrian Peterson to get his feet wet on the downs that he was most comfortable with, I think Chester Taylor's presence allowed Adrian Peterson to shine more because he didn't have to worry about third down dirty work early in his career. So Chester and he Taylor couldn't do it, right? Peterson couldn't Correct. do it. Well, like he yeah, was lost. Still, still, still can't.
1: The Chester Taylor. The the interesting thing about Chester was was Chester started his career in Baltimore behind Jamal Lewis, and Chester was actually there. on on the day that uh, Jamal Lewis set the single game rushing yardage record, which Peterson broke in his rookie year in 2007. And Chester Taylor signed here in 2006, right? And he was finally going to get his big break, and he was good. But I'll never forget Chester on clean-out day after the 2006 season got done being like, I'm Dad, I'm so tired. I yeah. And he wanted that, that role, but he got it and realized that you just get abused and used in every way possible. And so the interesting thing was, and I might be wrong here, but I never sensed that he resented the, the pick of Peterson. Because he could sort of go back to the role of, I'm still important, but I'm not out there on every down, which he could do. And he made do. starting running back money. Exactly, starting running exactly, back money, so. exactly, but that's a great one because... because The Vikings post-Chester never truly replaced him, in my mind, with that guy who could basically go out there on third down and be impactful and be good. That's a great one because he was probably that role that he played behind Peterson because Peterson was so dynamic, probably never appreciated enough by the fan base until Chester was gone, and it was hard to replace him.
0: Did he throw a chair at Bryant McKinney one time? Uh, Or was it the other way?
1: No, he and Erasmus James got in a dispute in the locker room And McKinney and Chester were like best friends, and they lockered by each other. And so um, during the course of the dust-up, I guess is a fair term for it, during the course of the dust-up, Chester picked up a chair to throw it at Erasmus James and reared back and hit McKinney in the face and cut him. And fortunately, because Bryant was a pretty passive guy, and they were good friends. Uh, he didn't kill Chester, but Chester <laughs> Chester injured McKinney while while in a some type of verbal and or then physical confrontation with Erasmus James.
0: Actually, uh, the the backstory that no one really knows about is Erasmus James then picked up another chair and threw it, and it hit Tavares Jackson. That's the only time in Erasmus James's career that he wow. hit a quarterback. So. Wow! Just because yeah. Erasmus James
1: doesn't like football, didn't like football.
0: <laughs> All right, number five, into the top five most underrated Vikings of all time. We're going back to the old school here, going back to the mid-1970s. Right. John Gilliam, wide receiver John <laughs> Gilliam, was a star receiver in an era that didn't have many star wide receivers. I mean, you had, like, Lynn Swan and Fred Bolitnikoff and Raymond Berry. Like, you know, there, there just weren't any star receivers. Fred John John Gilliam. From 1972 through 1975 for the Vikings, averaged, averaged 20 yards per catch, including leading the NFL in one of those years, averaging 22 yards per catch. All mm. right, For some context, you're lucky if in today's NFL, one guy averages 20 yards per catch. The Vikings had a guy for four years, one of the best deep threats in the NFL, that averaged for Fran Tarkenton. Uh, actually, Fran might have been... Uh, I'd have to go look in crossroads, Fran. but Fran, Fran was there for... That at least Fran. a couple years with John Gilliam. That was Fran for sure, and um, and twenty yards per catch is absurd. Wow. So John Gilliam never saw you play. It was before my time, but <laughs> me too. <I> Got to give. <laughs> Didn't see him props. play, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, th- those right. statistics are awesome. Who's your Alright, number f- number four? EJ yeah. e. Henderson. EJ e. Henderson. Uh, especially before the injury. So he's, if you go and look at like Vikings defensive stats, now in fairness, defensive stats aren't really, it's really like 1980 to the present because a lot of the stats from before 1980 aren't officials, like tackles and sure. sacks and things like that. So grain of salt that a lot of the Vikings defensive stats are without like some of the best players in franchise history. But, um, EJ Henderson is top five or 10 in a lot of Vikings defensive categories. Uh, 67 career tackles for loss, 13 forced fumbles, and at his peak, I think he was one of the best linebackers in the NFL, and then he suffers the the gruesome leg injury um, pretty much in the middle of his prime, Judd Zilgaz. So I've got EJ as a top five most underrated Vikings player.
1: Sunday night game in uh, in Arizona in 2009, that is, I Mm. think, the most gruesome injury that I have ever seen because his leg in front of us snapped. It was disgusting <clears throat> it was it will it, it was a basically in in uh w- like w- what happened with uh, teddy in 2016 that was a it's so bad we have to save the guy's leg but yeah but ej to to his credit so he came in he, he, i think he was drafted in the tice years and he came in and if you guys recall He was forced into, if not a starting role, playing a lot at first and was overmatched, overwhelmed, and was not close to probably being good enough to play as many snaps as he did under Tice. I want to say, was it in 2005 and Tice's last year, or so he was going to, they, they were going to have him compete for a job, and EJ came to camp and tore it up. He was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And yes, f- from essentially 2005 or six, I think it was five, uh, from 2005 to 2009, this guy had turned himself into a really c- a good player. That's a good one because I think the initial impression of EJ was, okay, this ain't going to work. And he basically said, okay, bleep it. I'll work harder to make it work and became a really good player.
0: That image no. of that leg to the side on, on that oh, kick return, disgusting. it's one of the most gruesome things of all time, man. It's it's bad. That's a Yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah. All right, we're into the top three here. <laughs> top three most underrated Vikings players of all time, and we're going back to that same era as EJ Henderson. Brian Robison. Yes. A consistently good player for 11 years. 11 years as a Viking. He could rush the passer. He could stop the run. He was a leader. He was humble. Uh, even when he was reduced at some points to to backup roles, he you know he was the consummate professional about it. And this is the most amazing stat for Brian Robison: he's a big guy. He played a rough and tumble trenches position for eleven years. He missed three games, boys, in eleven years as a Minnesota Viking. He's sort of the modern day defensive Iron Man. Uh, for for the Brad Childress, Leslie Frazier, and early part of Mike Zimmer's career, so Brian Robinson is third on my list of underrated Vikings players of all time.
1: Uh, played inside, played outside. He was, and man, you you talk about a guy Vikings wise. Who knows where all the bodies are buried, right? B Rob yeah. was here in 2010. He was back here in 2016. Uh, Yeah, that's a good one. And he also came along at a time when I think that that left end was still seen more as sort of a base end and not not, you know, now I I think a team's hope or expectation is that guys can rush from the right and left side. At that point in time, you know, your right end Jared was going to be your star. Your left end was more of just a solid guy who who could help contain the run. That's a good one, though, and and I think when he got here, you know, you you thought to yourself, okay, this guy is going to have a career probably, but certainly not near the length of what it ended up being for Brian Robson.
0: Yep. So that's
1: that's three, right? That's number three?
0: Number two. Okay. Most underrated Vikings players of all time. Jake Reed. And Jake Reed gets credit, but Jake Reed, for a four-year stretch in the 1990s, was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. In fact, I just pulled this up for reference. So between 1994 and 1997, only four guys in the NFL had more receiving yards than Jake Reed. Chris Carter, Michael Irvin, Tim Brown, and Herman Moore. The guys who were behind Jake Reed in that category included Jerry Rice, Isaac Bruce, and Irving Fryer. And so legitimately, from 1994 through 1997, the Vikings had Chris Carter, Mm -hmm. Hall of Famer, Mm -hmm. and one of the best wide receivers in the NFL that no one really talked about during that era in Jake Reed. So, And then Randy Moss came, Jake Reed got a little bit older, Uh, Jake Reed had some injuries in 1998, and it it was just kind of over for him, but I'm putting him number two, because when we think of great Vikings receivers, I mean, it's Randy Moss, it's Chris Carter, it's it's Ahmad Rashad uh, back in the 70s, and then it's probably now, like, Diggs and Thielen, and, oh, wait a second, Jake Reed was ridiculous for four years in the 90s.
1: If Moss... uh Does not get drafted by the Vikings. What is the retrospective now on Reed's career here? Because I I feel like the whole Moss thing changed everything entirely. And it it was three deep. Oh, yeah, it's three deep. It's Randy Moss and it's Chris Carter. And, uh, yeah, three deep. Oh, oh, yeah, Jake Reed. Uh, If Randy Moss gets taken before falling to the Vikings in the 98 draft, what is the – how are we talking today about Jake Reed? Because you're probably right. Jake Reed – just gets forgotten because it became Moss and CC. And yeah, there's another guy, but
0: yeah, it's a good question. I mean, uh, and that doesn't count for the good questioning standings, but, uh, <laughs> but it is a good question. It's a good question. Which, by the way, I lead by two good questions this year, just to, just you to make do. sure that everyone fair, knows that. Fair and square. You know, Jake Reed wound up playing another five years in the NFL, and he never produced another 1000 year season. The thing is, like, he was he was so uh, he wasn't highly touted coming out of the draft, and he didn't really get a start on his career until he was like twenty six or twenty seven in terms right. of getting regular playing time. And so, by the time Moss came around, Reed was in his early thirties, and so it might have just been over, anyways, for him. Right, but, but I still think we talk about two. him more now. Yeah, Sam I Moss,
1: I, I think we talk about the 90s from the perspective of, okay, Carter was great. Jake Reed mm-hmm. was great. And e- even if uh, Reed had started the 98 season without Moss there and gotten hurt, I think that the way that we address the Jake Reed topic is different.
0: I think that's fair. All right. And my number one all right, most underrated Vikings player of all time. Before I get to number one, do you guys have either any guesses or anyone that you feel like should obviously be on this list? And maybe you'll guess correctly.
1: Well, you didn't list Mo Williams, who would be on my list, Offense but, uh, or defense? I don't think he'd be number
0: one. Mo Williams. All right. Offense or defense? Defense. Um, I got a guess. Okay.
1: Dex? You, no, you, guess? Go, you go. You go. I think that you are, I, I don't think that you would be out of bounds to pick Antoine Winfield.
0: Yeah, I, I was not. On, right he's there. not on my list. I feel like Antoine. I feel like people fawned over Antoine properly. Okay, but I open will, to debate.
1: I'll go Corey
0: Chavis. Wow,
1: <laughs> I like the. Wow. I like your reaching back. I'm
0: I'm trying. <laughs> Way to go, Dex. I mean, Corey Chavis is maybe underrated, but he's not. He's not number one. He sure. might be an honorable mention. Sure. Number one on my list is actually a Pro Football Hall of Famer. He's a six-time Pro Bowler. He's a five-time All-Pro and uh, and he had 130 sacks unofficially because Carl they Eller? didn't actually Carl Eller That's
1: cuz you dissed him when you were a kid. He's not <laughs> underrated. <laughs> he you it, is. you he rubbed was. it in that he lost four Super Bowls and now you feel bad to this day.
0: When people in Livio you know, drop a lot. you know, go to our YouTube page and cuz there's a lot of younger Vikings fans that You're that crazy. Uh, that are in our comment section. Drop a comment in the comment section youtubecom north. Carl Eller, when you think back to, like, 70s purple people that are Vikings defenses and the whole team, I think he's, like, sixth on the list of people that pop up. in the Alan Page, Jim Marshall, Fran Tarkenton, Chuck Foreman, I think Eller's uh, up there. Bud Grant. And, like, Carl Eller should be probably number two on that list. Maybe number, like, for sure one of the three most mentioned guys. And it took him forever to get into Jim the Marshall Hall of
1: Jim Marshall is still not in the Hall. Carl Eller is. Jim Marshall yeah, I, actually has probably a better case than than Carl to be at top of your list.
0: Maybe, and uh, but you could also make the case. So, uh, Alan Page. I think I'll give you some numbers here. Yep. Uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong on this, and it's you know it's up for debate. But but so stats for sacks came in in like 1980 in the NFL. So when you look at, like, a pro football reference or a, or a list of Viking sack leaders, right. Chris Dolman is number one with 114 sacks, I believe, because they didn't start counting sacks until after the Purple People Leaders were gone. So only one player since 1980 for the Vikings has over 100 career sacks. Well, Eller has 130. Alan Page has, like, 170. And those guys just, like, don't exist From on rankings. From the interior, the too. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yes. Right. So that's my list. Who am I missing? Who would you guys have put on here?
1: I got to think about it more. I I think
0: I like lineman, like offensive lineman that I'm missing. There probably are John Sullivan. I think John Sullivan's probably nearly on that near on that list. He was a very could, very he was, good. He was steady? Yeah, he was steady. Yeah, but
1: but but what's the proper praise for those positions? Like I feel that you would have to be just outstanding and, and ignored. And I feel like in, in this town, Vikings fans have given proper appreciation to the O line when it's um appropriate which clearly right now it's probably not but i love chester taylor Robison, i agree with could easily make that list i th- i think if you're going to put eller on your list i think winfield belongs too but okay. i can also but i can also see a debate to say that both of them actually got the proper love jake oh jake reed's perfect
0: because Jay- the problem is, I I wrote the list in pen, and so I don't know what we're supposed to do. Um, s- s- scribble it out. <laughs> have,
1: have you ever heard of a whiteout? I <laughs> yes. You can take whiteout. You can just put a woo right over that. But that's a good. <laughs> that's an interesting list. Food for thought. I love the reach back into the seventies.
0: Yeah, I mean, John Gilliam and I. John Gilliam. There, and I there's
1: probably Vikings that. in the sixties who we're not thinking of too, who we all just didn't see play. Right.
0: I mean Joe Cap. Some people might say Joe Cap, just because he quarterbacked the Super Bowl for the Vikings. I, I
1: think but. he got the love though, didn't he? I think he got the proper appreciation at that time Bill,
0: because of yeah. that. Bill Brown,
1: boom boom. boom yeah, boom. maybe.
0: Boom boom. Yeah, maybe. Boom boom. Brown. Yeah. Well, uh, if you if you want to debate us, you can always hit us up in the comment section on YouTube or tweet or gram us at Phil Mackey at Jay Zolgad at Dex's tweets. Uh, judley has got got a gram profile. Gram? That's right. We can use the grams. I was excited about the grams before the pandemic. I think you should be documenting your yeah. your daily journey. I agree. Daily selfies. I, you and Stella with the Stella. You know, I can
1: see it now. Had a few last do a, night.
0: So did I. Do a do a daily dog pick with Stella and watch how much traction it gets. I promise. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. Animals, <laughs> yes. animals all day. <laughs> really? Send them to Declan and he can put them on Scornark too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll do a daily. I'll do a daily with Tommy, our little cat Tommy. If you do a daily with Stella,
1: bring Tommy in. <laughs>
0: Come here, Tommy. Uh, That's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time.